So time for us now to cross over to Rob at Monk Media. Rob. Hi, Kanya. And uh, is Deben nice and warm this morning? Yes, starting to head towards summer, I think, yeah? Okay, well, uh, that that sounds great. Uh, so we can think about moving down to Deben or visiting. <laughs> now, Rob, we spoke a while ago about the Greek myth uh, of flying close to the sun with wax wings. Uh, talk about getting warm, eh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and today you want to talk myths again. Yes, um, I'd like to talk about Michael E. Gerber. Um, he published a book called The E-Myth in 1986. That was 32 years ago. I was 12, and um, at the time, 10 years later, I went on to go on to start my own business. But that was the first real business book I um, read in '96. was The E-Myth Revisited. So it, it's back to myths, yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, so you mean uh, you started your business at 22? You, you're already a businessman, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> and the, I see why. I mean, you're reading Michael E. Gerber. I mean, he was named world's number one small business guru by Inc. magazine. Uh, and, of course, that's quite an impressive title. Yeah, um, and it's an unusual title. Um, he's been probably the most foundational kind of um, entrepreneur author for me. And having read hundreds of business books since the start, um, he's made the biggest impact for me. Yes. And you say books. eh? You you mean that he's written a few books? Yeah. There's quite a few that are written along the Enos theme. um, But I really recommend kind of three that I return to regularly myself. Okay. So E-Myth. As you say, all these books are along the E-Myth theme. So what are they? Well, the ones I recommend um, are the E-Myth Revisited, um, E-Myth Mastery, and then the third book, The Most Successful Small Business in the World, The Ten Principles. The Most Successful Small Business in the World, The Ten Principles. I mean, you, you listen to that, you read that, and you already want to see what small business this is. Uh, and uh, surely then these books are rated quite high uh, in 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 the readers <laughs> in the readers yeah. lists yes uh, they they've done well around the world i absolutely love what they do um and i think one of the reasons that they've really done so well is that michael focuses on the thing that you should work on your business as opposed to exclusively in your business Okay, so he builds from there. Uh, and uh, as you say, the titles really build on each other. The E-Myth Revisited, because the first one was the E-Myth, so he has the E-Myth Revisited, and then Mastering that E-Myth, E-Myth Mastery, and then the most successful business in the world, the 10 principles, yeah. Yeah, that, and that's kind of why I would recommend reading them in order, because they kind of develop as you would be developing as a business. Um, and I just finished rereading the most successful small business in the world last week. Um, I have a hard copy and an audible version, um, which Michael narrates. And I mean, just his narration is an, an experience on its own. So really great. Yes. Uh, you know, you say guru. I mean, we did say earlier that he's a guru, but guru is a term that gets thrown around a lot uh, when it comes to, yeah. I suppose, trying to, to show authority. 
but it also has a mystic religious feel about it, isn't it? Uh, you know, you think a religious guru, for example. Uh, how does Michael E. Geber talk about the role of faith then in business? Oh, yeah, I, I must say I'm also uncomfortable with that term guru because of its kind of um, title there. But Michael does go on to to talk about God. Um, his last book, The Most Successful Small Business in the World, he then goes on to talk about God for the first time in the series of books. Um, he was raised Jewish but never really practiced. But I think through his dealings in life and, and business, um, he goes on to say that faith in God is absolutely critical for success in business. Yes. And about uh, all those financially successful businesses, then, that the leaders or founders have no life? Well, well if you think about it, um, you know, we look at many big companies from Apple, Google, Microsoft, and, and we don't necessarily know what the faith life of those founders were. Yes. Um, but Michael argues that whether they have a relationship with God or not, um, and it's publicly known or not, Michael says that God is there anyway, whether they want him there or not. And he says to start kind of looking at that ourselves is, is a very powerful way. And he starts off his last book with a quote from Thomas Kempis, the loftier the building, the deeper the foundation must be laid. <laughs> of course, Thomas Kempis wrote uh, The Imitation of Christ, right? Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed that book. found it very challenging. But um, so, yeah, you know, when Michael starts off a business book with that as the first quote of the book, you know he's going to be building and digging into the depths of faith. Um, and then a- another part of his last book that I really enjoyed is that he blends in Charles Bukowski, a kind of street poet, um, who didn't necessarily live the best of lives. But yes. so he's very conscious of of the, the trappings of the world and the busyness that urges us to take cognizance of our relationship with God. Yes. And uh, you say, you know, you talk about Charles Bukowski and I think uh, Oscar Wilde, for example, uh, really some great writers and uh, poets uh, who didn't really... Uh, as you say, you know, who didn't really live the greatest of lives, yet uh, they were such good writers. And here you now you've given us this man, uh, Michael E. Geber, uh, who seems to have that uh, sort of uh, figured out, his faith uh, built into books as well. And you're giving us a homework, three of his books, uh, to read, to, to make our business better, maybe our parish even, maybe our schools or maybe our non-profit organizations better as well. Uh, can we find this on Amazon, on e, uh, on Kindle and so on? Yes, uh, that's where I got my versions and then um, eventually found hard copies at like a place like Exclusives or CNA. So um, they really worth getting a look out for. Okay, sounds great. And uh, so Michael E. Geber is uh, a great man indeed. Uh, so do get yourself uh, those uh, three, the E-Myth. Uh, uh, maybe start with the E-Myth. And then if you haven't read it, then read the E-Myth Revisited, E-Myth Mastery. And then, of course, I'm very curious about this one, the most successful small business in the world, uh, the 10 principles. Uh, and uh, 
Uh, it sounds like Michael Geber implemented those 10 principles anyway, and they work all the time. Rob? Yes, he did. Um, he, he's open and honest that they're a, a constant challenge. So he's not just given you a formula and say it's easy, um, but he puts it out there and he lives what he teaches. And um, I find it very valuable, and I'm sure many of the listeners will too. And I mean, he's still, he's still, he's still uh, active as a businessman, right? Yeah, um, he, he wrote the last book at, at the age of 74. Um, he's 82 years old now and is showing no sign of stopping. I don't think he knows what the word retirement means. I think it's proof that uh, when you find your calling in life, you never want to retire. Ah, exactly. So uh, we'll be listening to you on, on the Golden Airways forever then. Man. <laughs> And you started your business at 22. We know you'll go <laughs> until over 100. <laughs> and that's, of course, Rob at monkmedia.co.za. Anything to do with media, uh, get in touch with him and uh, see how he can help. Rob at monkmedia.co.za. Rob, you have a great day indeed. And we speak uh, next week when Devin will be ready uh, to receive <laughs> visitors who are coming down for summer vacation. <laughs> oh, great. Looking forward to it, Tanya. And Colin is one of them, by the way. Oh, super cool. Super cool. I'm taking out for a proper Devon curry. It'd be great. Devon curry. There you go. <laughs> you have a lovely one, Rob. Thanks, God Bye. bless. Bye-bye. So do email Rob at Monk Media. That's R-O-B at Monk Media. M-O-N-K Media dot C-O dot Z-A. Hello, this is Garth Abraham from St. Augustine. Have you yet joined Club 6000? Are you supporting Radio Veritas and St. Augustine? If you have not yet joined, we ask for your support. Please visit the St. Augustine website, www.staugustine.ac.za, or the Radio Veritas website and contribute. Thank you. And 27 minutes after 7 o'clock, Radio Veritas, 5, 7, 6 a.m. And uh, this is still uh, Matins uh, with Khanya uh, Ditabe and uh, Colin York. And uh, Colin, so I was telling you that uh, we were at uh, Regina Mundi. Yes, that's right. What what were you there for? Uh, for that Minnesota Orchestra performance with Gauteng Choristers. And were you impressed? I was totally Totally, totally impressed oh, that's uh, with uh, with this orchestra. It's amazing how sort of relaxed uh, they are. You get there, they're not even ready and so on. And uh, a few minutes before it starts, then they all go up and then they start tuning. And But there's just some joy. You can see that all the, choir, all the orchestra members get uh, along with each other. And yes. you know, that sort of yes. a thing. And uh, the music, I mean, there was, there's just something about seeing uh, an orchestra perform live. And it's, it, it's this well-known works that they're performing. Mm. But, uh, you know, you think you're listening to a CD, the way it's performed. It's like in a studio. Yes, yes. <laughs> because yes. it sounds so good yes. uh, production-wise. And uh, Well, they obviously enjoy playing together. Yes, yes. And you can you can hear that that you know it's people that have been together for a while that yes. are experienced in in what they do, 
So they played, uh, I told you about it now, Sibelius's... Uh, Old Saga. Old Saga, yes. And then uh, they also played, uh, of course, uh, Ben Stein's uh, excerpt from the, uh, the Candide. And uh, they had, uh, what do you call this, uh, Symphony Number no. 9. Uh, Beethoven's uh, Symphony Number no. 9. Oh. Of course, uh, the last movement. And I don't know, you know, I, I went behind the choir when they sang that. And for me, for me, that was the highlight uh, of, of, of this. Lovely. I was watching the conductor, the way he was just going and uh, the way he started. And, you know, the way he started, he was just... Uh, that, that wasn't Beethoven. You know, that wasn't Beethoven. It, it was Ben Stein. <laughs> but that, that, that music has really grabbed your imagination. It has, yes. But, you know, for me, um, it's the way he started. And I'm, I'm, I was, as I say, standing by the choir, behind yeah. the choir, just to the side of the choir. Right. Um, and the way he was, he started really easy you know it starts and i could see his face that he turned red you know you can see he's really concentrating and then you could see sweat on his face and <laughs> it's it's just amazing you can see all these emotions going through a conductor yes just by him standing there and, and conducting the uh the but you could also see the you know the gown the timpanis and so on you could see the emotion in the face so yes Everybody really involved in the music. Yes. It's not. It's not just playing the music, but it's being so involved in it and enjoying playing it. Uh, that really caught me. And then the choir comes in, you know, towards the end, and they they really belted it out. <laughs> uh, it sounded really, really good. So it was an exciting evening. Yes, and I hope uh, the recording came out that beautifully as well. Did you we, record we, we, it? Yes. So we hope to bring that recording. Uh, later. Oh, excellent! Yeah, I hope I hope it came out <laughs> that well. And we, of course, we are with the Minnesota Public Orchestra. They actually travel with the choir. Yes. So they record the choir, and they brought they were broadcasting that live. Oh right. Oh well, it is. They were going to broadcast. You know, it was a late. What do they call it? Uh, recorded live, yes, so yes. so they recorded and then immediately thereafter then played. Yes. So that's uh, something you know that uh, that once I suppose could you know the old SABC you had the SABC orchestra and you had SABC as the the stations. Yes. So it's that model. Where were they broadcasting to? Uh, to America, to Minnesota. Oh right. Yes. Oh, good. So they were broadcasting to Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, people in and Minnesota listening. It was a delayed to. broadcast. A delayed broadcast. Yes, yes. yes. So, all in all, for me, a great concert Lovely. to to be part of. Yes. Lovely. And by the way, it was packed. Regina Mundi was packed. Well, I'm glad. Yes. You know, when they when they undertake these kind of things, you you never know if you get a small audience, you lose financially. I know. I mean, you went to an orchestra that came from France, and there were only about 40 of you in the well, audience. Well, yes. Yeah. This was the National Orchestra of France, conducted by uh, Charles, Charles Dutour. Dutour, yes. Um, this must be at least 15 years ago. Mm. And there was a panic because they hadn't sold... I think that they'd, they'd sold 40 tickets. Sure. Something went wrong For the with Linda the, Auditorium. Yes. Yeah. Uh, something went wrong with the management somewhere. 
and they hadn't sold enough. So they came to us at the SABC and said, we've got this concert tonight, free tickets. And I went, and it was stunning. Yes. It was all French. Mm-hmm. They played music by Debussy, and they finished with Ravel's Bolero, which is an exciting piece anyway. Yes. Uh, but the, the, the relaxed professionalism of the orchestra, the obvious enjoyment, even with a work like Bolero, which orchestras find very dull. Um, that's right. And, and uh, the, the panache with which they did it. Yes. And Charles de Trois stood there and the stick hardly moved. It was lovely to see. So much so, it, it was so exciting yes. that all 40 of us in the audience stood up and gave them a standing ovation at the end. Yes. And that standing ovation, that's exactly what uh, Minnesota Orchestra got. Good. Uh, for, uh, you know, after the Beethoven's uh, number nine. Good. And, um, in fact, even after Harmonia Ubuntu, yes. uh, which is a locally uh, written work. Right. And, of course, uh, the, the orchestra uh, started singing and not playing the Shosholoza. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <no>. <laughs> <laughs> it started with drums, you know, and then the orchestra starts singing. We thought, oh, what's going on here? Lovely. Well, that's unusual. <laughs> that's, yes. And then, of course, later on, then the choir joined, and then the orchestra started playing. playing yes, lovely, lovely. And uh, obviously, once they start singing, you hope that when they start playing, they're still in key, and they <laughs> were. <laughs> oh, yes. 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 So that's what it was, and, that's, and that was at Regina Mundi. Beautiful uh, place to, to do that at. And so thank you very much to the people of Regina Mundi and the people of Soweto for coming out in numbers uh, to come and see Minnesota Orchestra. This is Matins with Khanya Ditabe and Colin York. with Radio Veritas, the only Catholic radio station in South Africa. It's coming up to 24 minutes. Do I mean 24? Yes, I do. 24 minutes to 8, and time for our moment of inspiration. Our story today is called Cell Phones versus the Bible. I wonder what would happen if we treated our Bible as we treat our cell phone. What if we carried it around in our bag or pocket? What if we turned back when we forgot it? What if we flipped through it several times a day? What if we used it to receive text messages? What if we treated it as if we couldn't live without it? What if we gave it to children as gifts? What if we used it when we traveled? What if we used it in case of emergencies? Oh, and one more thing. Remember, unlike our cell phones, we never have to worry about our Bible being disconnected because Jesus has already paid the price. 